So welcome to See Uncovered. Today we have on Adam Aitkins, inventor, co-founder, CEO of Keras Screen Trainer. We're so excited to learn about his journey and story as a business owner and as an athlete and CEO. So thank you, Adam, for coming on. Thank you for having me. So I always start out, it's kind of a hefty question. In your opinion, who is Adam? If you could give us a background. Adam is a humble achiever that really looks at life from through an inclusivity lens, having a, a disabled daughter, but somebody who's very educated, driven, and able to make things happen, um, but doing it under the radar and for the right purposes. So as we know, you're the co-founder and CEO of Care Straight Trainer. Did you always want to start your own company? I've always had a uh, bone in me for invention. Uh, I've always loved being creative. And I have wanted to own my own company, but this kind of formed different than any other time that I've thought about starting a business. Mm -hmm. It actually came from a mission-driven place as opposed to how do I make money and what field can I make the most money in? And I feel like because that it started with a mission, it's a whole different experience. And the mm -hmm. success that we're already seeing is through the roof. And so I have had an entrepreneurial spirit, but never thought anything like this would, would happen. Walk us through, how'd you come up with the idea? Where was it born? Yeah, and so my partner and I were talking, I, I worked in the legal space and uh, we were six months into the pandemic. I was in the worst shape of my life. Haven't been a D1 athlete. I got up to 383 pounds. I mean, we were eating out, drinking, it was, it was a mess. And I talked to my partner, Carl, and he's like, man, I've never been in better shape. And he's 66 years old. I'm like, what do you mean? Nobody can go out, you can't do anything. The gyms are closed. And he kind of walked through a story that he he did his cardio in the morning and then he lifted in the evening because he didn't have to travel to and from work. Well, I looked at my son. I'm like, you know what? We got no excuse. So I started my health care, my health journey at that point. 11 months later, I lost 150 pounds. I gained like 25 pounds of muscle. Really, you know, just getting active, eating right, eating healthy. And during that process, Carl and I, I was going to start a business just helping people get in shape. Michigan has a big alumnus. I think I have a unique story and I can, and I've walked the steps. So I wanted to help people. Uh, but my partners started talking about uh, the concept of elite aging. And instead of getting weaker, making people know that they can get stronger. You don't have to get into your 60s and 70s and fall apart. You can continue to get stronger as you get older. And there was a disease called sarcopenia that I hadn't heard about. Um, but my partner's like, you know, take a look at this. So we looked it up. There were only three books in the world around sarcopenia. It just got its international diagnosis code in 2016. And basically, it's a musculoskeletal disease that deals with muscle strength, muscle size. And as people get older, they lose muscle strength. And then in their 60s, it just exponentially gets worse. The one thing is, is that it's completely reversible through progressive resistance training. And so all the books I was looking at had people in front of a machine, in front of a mirror, hanging with TRX straps around a pole, pulling bands on the door. But it was always attached to something, and it, and it was something sitting right there. And it wasn't really inclusive of anybody that has a disability. And so I'm looking, and just my athletic background, I started thinking, well, if I hurt my shoulder, what kind of physical therapy moves would they have? So I grabbed my hip, imagine, and I started pulling against it. Like if I had a short cord attached to my hip, that would work. And then I slid my hands up into my, my fake handles. And I'm like, well, from here, I can do a bench press. I can do a tricep press. 
And so I started sketching it down and I put various attachment points, not knowing if a rubber band could be made that small to stretch that far, which were the first ones in the world to have a band this short that is this functional. But we figured it out. So it came from making the body as the anchor. So now you can really exercise in any position, people in hospital beds, people in wheelchairs. I've got paraplegic people using it right now to NFL athletes. The starting linebacker of the Minnesota Vikings, Troy Dye, has been training with it all summer. We had guys going into the NFL draft that dropped their 40 by 40 yard dash by 0.2 seconds. So, I mean, it's the only thing that we've ever seen and come up with that it's applicable from kids all the way to people that are 100 years old from professional athlete to disabled people. And it's it's been a remarkable journey so far. That's incredible. We haven't had a lot of people on the pod who's invented something, right? So for those who don't know, you have it on paper, you drew it out. What is the next step as an inventor? Oh, man, I got to say, so everybody has a good idea. And when I told people at the beginning, my partner, but just a few people, and I, they kind of chuckle, and I'm like, why are you laughing? It's a great idea. And now that I've gone through the process, you understand why people kind of chuckle. So it went from the, the process in a quick overview is I came up with it. I put it on paper. Carl Fink, the gentleman I was talking to, happens to be a prolific patent attorney. And I, it wasn't even the reason, obviously, we were, we were talking. But when I said, Carl, I got an idea. How many times he's heard that? And I told him, him and I kind of went together. He did the international patent searches. And he's like, man, this is awesome. There's nothing like it. And so we went from my, my pieces of paper. He started working on provisional patent writings. His sister, who is a product development engineer, helped us with CAD drawings and taking all of my handwritten notes and drawings, putting them into CAD so we can actually get those into a visual where people can see it. From there, we took it. We had to go through like eight different prototype makers. A lot of people said it couldn't be done. Can't make it. You're never going to do it. Nothing like that's existed. We found one that was amazing. First shot came up with almost exactly what we have. And it's crazy how close the invention is to what I drew 18 months ago, which has only been 18 months. And uh, and we're coming to market in a, in a gigantic way. Uh, but once you have the prototypes, then I started selling it. We already had the patents filed. And before I even manufactured, eight months before we even had, had any of those made, I started getting out there and showing it all the functionality, the systems, lining up hospital systems, physical therapy offices, military, VA, a lot of people that were having conversations. And so I think as part of the success of Keras is don't be afraid if you don't have it worked out. If you are coming to market with a product, go after it and start selling it once you, if you're gonna protect the idea, make sure you file the, the provisional patents. If you make changes, Here's a little thing for you. Make sure that you file those updates before you show it publicly. You don't want to violate or nullify your patents. But once you're, you're good with those, get out there and show it. Sell it. People are going to give you information. And just the minor details and the changes and corrections you make along the way is great because you're going to run through different versions and then continue to have the manufacturer make different types until you land on what you want. And then it's figuring out all sorts of things from international logistics, fulfillment, all. It's been crazy. It's been a great learning experience. But if you have an idea and it is truly a life's mission, if it's something that you know that could change something, for me, it can't just be a widget. It has to have a, a meaning. But if, if you think that it's out there, go for it. 
do not listen to the naysayers. How many people are like, you're crazy? Even my, my family, you're nuts. What are you talking about? And now on the flip side of the coin, oh, you're a genius. This is great. Like, don't listen to anybody. Honestly, people are going to crush your dreams. If it's something they've never done or don't see themselves ever doing, even if they're really close to you, they can try shattering your dreams. Keep going. That's all I can say is because at the end of the day, nobody's done what we've done. So it's understandable that they don't understand it and that they're going to try to say it can't be done. And I'm out there to prove the odds wrong. So I, I say for any inventor, go for it. And again, just do your research. Make sure there's a market for it before you pour in tens of thousands of dollars. But when I get this all up and running, I'm going to support inventors because there's no funding. That, it, that's the hardest part is how do you get funding for this? People with real money, all they do is they go after investments that are secure, solid, things they know they've always done. And to take a chance on a product that's never hit the market, that has no history of sales and in that side, that's the tricky part, but it can be done. And you will find visionaries. You will find people that get it and share the same passion and mission. And again, so just don't give up. I would say that's the biggest part. Are you still working in the legal world or is this your full-time career right now? I was, and then I burned the boats. So uh, two months ago, at the end of the day, I was building and working so much, but I, I had the day job. So I was working 120, 130 hours a week. I do my day job, but this is a, a passion. Wake up thinking about it, go to bed thinking about it. I talk about it all the time. And um, especially now that I've got it on people with disabilities, kids with autism and scoliosis that see the use of this, like you said, quadriplegic, paraplegic patients, a gentleman with multiple sclerosis just bought one yesterday. And really watching it change people's lives is better than any money you can make. And the fact that it functions even better than I had thought in my head when I invented it, it's insane. And it's, um, but again, it's very satisfying to have done that. It's incredible. I want to ask you about, so it's a vest, and how many times should you be wearing it a day? Should you not have it on if you're younger? Like, could you walk me through like those logistics for our high schoolers? Sure. So it comes with 10 pounds of uh, weighted bags, so four two and a half pound bags. You can get them up to five pounds, so you can wear 20 pounds of weight. For anybody out there, for ladies, seniors, people that are getting older, or even younger, if you're wearing those weights, A, you're going to burn more calories when you do things, but B, it's going to help with muscle bone density. So when your skeleton's wearing that extra 20 pounds, it's putting the extra stress on the bones. So obviously with osteoporosis, especially in women, it can be a really big help. But yeah, so some people wear it every day, but I will tell you, it's a system that A, very low risk for injury, unlike free weights where you can overdo it, you can really hurt yourself. You can add the resistance on the band and multiple bands to it, go from different anchors at the same time to give different angles of the muscle, but bands are very forgiving. You can really move them. There's a lot of mobility to them. And so and studies are coming out that resistant bands are just, just as, if not even more effective than lifting weights. I grew up lifting weights, so I still love the gym. But at the end of the day, somebody can wear it every day, but if you're going to go through an intense workout, 20 minutes is probably all you're going to want to do in a day because by by seven minutes in with all the resistance from the hips to the feet, you're going to feel it. And at the end of 20 minutes, you're going to be soaking wet. You're going to have done not only cardio, you're going to have done uh, resistance training. And again, 
the variety and the variations are really only limited to people's imagination. We'll have workouts and how to do it. But again, once people get a grasp of it, they can really make it their own. And what's cool is they can take it anywhere. And so I think that was the biggest thing for me is it can go with you on a trip. Most people, if they've never worked out before, don't want to look like an idiot. Well, you can figure out how to do this in your home. You can go to the beach, out in the woods, but there's really no limitation to who can use it and how it can be accessed. Yeah, I'm, I think of my aunt when you talk about this because she had some disabilities throughout her life and I would go over and she would be free lifting the weights, but not doing it, let's say, in the correct fashion, form, form fashion. So this I just see her using completely because it's on you. You could be watching TV. You could be talking and still working out, which is such a smart idea for so many different people. So you lost, though, I wanted to ask you, 150 yeah. pounds, which is crazy and incredible. What did you do to lose that? Was there a certain diet? Was there a certain workout? I've done every diet. I've lost 90 pounds doing the Atkins diet. I've lost 85 pounds doing a myriad of diets. And ultimately, what got me there, I mean, as much as people hate it, it's calories in, calories out. You can't out-exercise a bad diet. So nutrition is always key. But I, wo I woke up every morning at 4 o'clock. My kids were sleeping, and even during the pandemic, nobody was out, so it was like Zombieville anyway. But I woke up, and I walked from four to six. So I'd do five to eight miles. I first started with two, three miles at a time. I'd do it a couple times a day, find time right after dinner. So I built up to doing between five and eight miles in the morning. And then my son and I started lifting weights again, so we got in the gym four days a week. We were strength training. And then it really becomes a rhythm. You really, it's, you feel really good when you start moving, especially if you come from a sedentary spot or having not doing it, you'll see the progression very quickly. And um, so just really worked out, moved and watch what I ate. I didn't restrict carbs. I didn't cut everything out because I've done all that. I basically would wake up in the morning and, and make eggs when I was hungry. And then I'd have chopped up apples. I love apples. Honeycrisp are my favorite. I would eat those for a snack. I would have a chicken salad for lunch, and then I'd eat something light at dinner. And literally, that was it. And I would drink the zero sugar, like, seltzer waters with crushed ice. And, again, I started looking at food as a source of energy as opposed to rewarding myself for, again, or just being bored was my thing is I love food. I love good taste of food. I love bad food. So, for me, it was really discipline. Making sure that no matter what, you don't want to go work out, you still you get up and go. You don't want it, you want to go eat something, it's not worth it. You're going to feel terrible afterwards. But here's the thing that I also came across. You could fall off and not have to start all over. I've always been caught up in a diet. Oh, man, last two days have been terrible. Well, I'll start again another. You know, you put it off or you feel like you failed. And if you're doing it every day and, and you go out and you have one, two days, just start. It's not starting over. You get right back into it. When you fall off, it doesn't have to be a, you either succeed or you fail. You can, have, you can be a human being, but just create the discipline to get back into it. You've been an athlete most of your life. How has that shaped you into the person you are today? I would say the biggest thing is it helps you push yourself further than you think you are. You're able to go. Um, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, some would say, is even when I went to Michigan, as a high-level athlete, thought I was in great shape. And they push you to a limit that you think you will never be able to go. 
and then you do, and then you continue to rise. So I think in the business world, it's very applicable because A, you are going to hit obstacles. You're going to hit things, but when you have a mission, you have a goal and you have something to drive towards, you can put yourself through a lot of things. And again, once you get comfortable with that, with being uncomfortable, you can attain, you can get what you're looking for. I, I feel if you're focused and you are truly driven to be able to get there. So athletics really transcended over to business of, I see the goal. I know how to make goals, how to attain them and what it takes to, to get there. You talk about your company and it's such a story. How important has storytelling? I don't think people realize how important storytelling is in business, in selling, in a product. How has it helped you in your mission to put the product out there? When it's a true story, when it comes out, everybody tells me I'm passionate. Oh, man, I can feel your passion. I, and all I'm trying to do is explain who I made it for. When I say I, I built cuffs for people with amputees or rheumatoid arthritis or bad hands or hands-free resistance for athletes. So to make it real for people, when I talk about my daughter and they can see she's in a wheelchair, I know what it's like to be a caregiver. So when I talk about the things or the gentlemen in the wheelchairs that I'm helping, I can see what it's doing for them. And it's able to paint a picture for people and to make it real. And when they know it's not about the money, because at the end of the day, it's never been about the money for me. So how do we make this work? If it's an organization, what is it going to take to get it on people's backs? But I think telling the story really connects to people because, A, people have been at high points in their life and low points in their life. I was a championship athlete, won a national championship in football, wrestling. I won a state championship, undefeated in boxing. Went all the way through life, lost my focus, lost my mission, all the way down. Had a daughter born with special needs all sorts of things through the life that were challenges and obstacles, which end up being the biggest blessings of your life. And to come out of the other side of it and be able to pick yourself back up and get back to a level that you were before with the mental clarity and not driven just to get on the field on Saturday, but for a life mission, I feel like that transcends, you know, again, the business side, it makes people want to want to do it. it. They know it's possible because I, and I know all the experiences that go into what it takes to get there. Has there been somebody in your life that you look to or it's for guidance, advice, a mentor that's been with you throughout? So my partner, he's a great mentor, Carl. A, he's 20 plus years my senior. So he's been through things a lot and he looks at things a lot differently. I'm uh, rambunctious. I love it. I'm an energy guy. He's kind of like my yin and yang. Like he is, he's reserved. He's a good listener. But he has a lot of life experiences. And I've got a circle of five, I would say, really good mentors across different spectrum from legal to corporate to athletics to entertainment. But just seeing life in different ways and how people have been successful in their own way. Mm-hmm. I have found that that saying, which I never wanted to believe, you are the sum of the five closest people to you. It is true. And even though I don't hang out with a lot of the people I used to, still love them. But it is if you're going to elevate your game to learn how to be there and, and what it takes and the different mindsets, it's very important to have mentors. And I, I would say I have five, but they're all in different disciplines. That's awesome. As a CEO of a company, a lot of people don't know what a day-to-day looks like for most. What does a day-to-day look like for you? Well, right now it's like drinking out of a fire hose. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm waking up at 4 a.m. And, again, either answering emails, getting things together for the day to send out marketing. My book at this point in time, because the product has so much momentum, 
I have between 10 and 12 sales calls a day at enterprise levels and, and helping my team get everything up, getting it running. Also have time in the day to talk to our uh, fulfillment company, making sure that the manufacturing's here, where it's at logistically, the billing, the accounting. There's a lot to it. But right now, because of where we're at, I would say 60% of my day is helping generate business. As it grows and I'm filling my team in around me, less of my time will be out there actually selling the product. But at this point, I'm the engine and I've got a lot of people around me that are, again, starting to really turn it on. But it's nonstop. Four, my wife doesn't like it, but it's 4 a.m. and sometimes 8, 9 at night. Put the kids to bed, go to bed, wake up, and it's the same thing. But when you really do, it, again, I feel like all these cliches, but when you find something you love, it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like work, and I own it. And so at the end of the day, it's, man, what is today going to bring? Even if there's obstacles and things that are going on, it's yours. So it's how do we get better? What what can we do to, to one step closer to the goal today? So it's really exciting. As an entrepreneur, I can relate that when you wake up, you never know what the day is going to bring, but it's an exciting sort of passion. that, And I love not knowing. I love doing different things, having to fix. I think that's why I love being an entrepreneur is fixing problems on my toes. And it's just such a rush I have. And I feel like you're kind of the same way. Well, it's exciting when the phone rings. So when I've worked <laughs> for other people, even if I was doing great in sales, when you always have somebody else over your back and it's all about that, I don't care what you did for me yesterday, like what's today? It's always driven, always at the money. The phone rings and sometimes you get anxious. At this, every time that phone rings, it's an opportunity for me to pick it up. And even if there's a it, something which we haven't had any many issues, but if it is, hey, this is, this is an opportunity for me to get better. or Somebody's calling me for a purpose, so I get excited when the phone rings. So it's a mental switch from, oh, man, I'm doing everything, but always feeling somebody's overlooking me and coming at me, as opposed to I'm doing this and I'm generating it. And again, it's the the fear of having somebody over me is uh, is gone, and it's the most freeing thought and feeling in the world. As a CEO and leader, what type of leadership qualities you exude for your team? I think I do a really good job of showing the mission, the passion. I think I'm technically sound. We're in a sales call. I'm able to pick up a lot of really complex ideas quickly and then be able to break it down on a basic level, at least basic enough for most people to understand and be able to illustrate the value of what we're bringing. But communication. And I would say as a leader, I don't know all the answers. Most people think they have them. I'm okay with not knowing it. I'm okay with learning from everybody on my team. I'm not afraid to stand up when I know where we're at and what a position is, but I'm going to incentivize my team to show me better ways. Hey, I don't have all the answers. I came up with where we're at and I've got a lot of innovation, but I want my team to be part of it. I want my employees to say, hey, have you thought of this? And if we implement it, incentivize them for it. Give them a bonus for helping us make our product even better. Put their name on the patent if we get another like product as a co-inventor of what we've done. For me, it's, it, again, giving back is one of, the, one of the ways that we can help. And so as a leader, I think that's what I do. I, I lead towards the mission. I think we've got a, an amazing product, an amazing team, and then really communicating, building that team and making sure the, it's a good culture within our organization that everybody's on board to help everyone else. And I would say a majority of my team, at least on the, the leadership team, 
they're all world-class people that are at the last leg of their professional career. And what's so special is they all want to leave a legacy of doing something better. And they can see this effectively changing healthcare and the way that it's implemented on a large scale. And everybody just wants to do something better. And changing people's lives isn't just a slogan. It's, it's literally the mission of everybody in our company. And it's easy for them to want to come in because I will, it's always about helping other people. It, that's, when you go to work and that's what you're doing, it makes it easy to, yeah. to do what you're doing. I always ask this, lastly, if you could give a piece of advice to a high school or college version of yourself, what would you tell him today? It's okay. You don't have it figured out. You come out of college, every, you're not going to be a millionaire overnight. You can't be a billionaire without making your way. Like Everybody just thinks that they're going to come out and instantaneously have a huge amount of success. It's okay to fail. It's okay to work some of these jobs as you're finding your feet and getting out there. I just turned 44. I do think this is going to be a multi-billion dollar idea. If this one isn't, something else will come to me. But at the end of the day, you're young. You don't have to have it figured out by 18, 20, 30, 40. You can literally find yourself anytime in life and give yourself the, the opportunity to fail. Because if you always play it safe, you're never going to get anything that's spectacular. By putting it out there and being willing to fail and taking that chance, whether you fail or not, you're going to learn and it's, you're going to grow. And so don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And, and sometimes I will say, you don't know where you're going to wind up. And because I started this company, there are relationships that I made 20 years ago in fields that, again, were just filling jobs that are now aligned with my company. And we're, we have a purpose together that we not only can create a lot of wealth, but really help a lot of people together. And so you never know where those relationships are going to go. But I would say you want to be successful, but don't don't just focus on how fast you're going to get there. Because It takes a while if you're really going to build something worth, worth having. Adam, thank you for coming on and sharing your story. Anyone listening who's interested in this tremendous product, go to carestraint.com, check out their mission, look at their product. It sells itself. And we loved having Adam on. And I know you wanted to say yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. So anybody listening to this podcast, if you know yourself or anybody that would like to, to use the trainer to buy one, if you use the code POD15, P-O-D-15, we'll also have a link uh, to that. You'll get 15% off the overall price. And for the next two weeks, we are still at what we're calling the pre-launch price of $379.99. And it can also be broken down to monthly payments. It will go up to 549 in the next couple of weeks. So if you're interested, go on. That way um, you can get it at a really good price. And again, tell your friends. But I appreciate you having me on the podcast. And uh, this has been amazing. 